All right. Uh, welcome to episode five of the Highlight Reel. I'm Allison. I'm Jacqueline. And uh, yeah, this is our kind of Christmas special. Uh, we'll Ooh. be covering two different movie of the weeks. Oh this week. snap! Um, yeah, uh, this is a this is a big one. <laughs> um, just to send you all off for a kind of good Christmas season or whatever. Holly um, jolly. Give you all an, an extra Christmas present. Exactly. So yeah, uh, let's kick this off with our question of the week, which this week we'll be asking, what is your favorite Christmas movie? I feel like ordinarily the questions of the week are really difficult for me because I always have so many different options and things that I want to say. But surprisingly, Mm -hmm. for favorite Christmas movie, like it's hands down, easy pick for me. You know, even though I'm someone that I love watching Christmas movies and I have so many you know Christmas movies that I watch every year easily my favorite is Elf it's a super basic answer okay. <laughs> but I, I don't even care I I just love Elf so much that's kind of like a a controversial pick I feel like a lot of people either really love Elf or like really dislike Elf yeah I you know and I yeah. actually didn't even know that until relatively recently like I feel like I grew up around everyone who like my whole family loves up and all my or f- er, up elf <laughs> and <laughs> where did i get up from <laughs> <laughs> all my friends all my friends love elf and you know my family so i always just assumed everyone kind of liked that movie and then in college i had one of my roommates just did not like elf at all and i was so floored by that and then Soon after that, I started to meet way more people that also just do not like Elf. So I guess it is a love it or hate it movie. I just didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much in your camp. Like, I I have nothing against the movie. And, like, as a kid, I really enjoyed it. Honestly, I feel like, especially for something that's considered, like, one of the kind of more prominent modern Christmas movies, I haven't watched it in a while. I get that, actually. I... I used to religiously watch it every year, and then, you know, I don't even think I rewatched it last year, honestly. Maybe the year before, or the year before that. I don't remember, but I definitely don't watch it as often as I used to. I'll probably watch it sometime this year, because it has been a while, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've got, uh, I guess, two different Christmas movies. It's different from what I told you before we started recording. Um, Ooh, spice. I... I got to thinking about it a little more, and I've got kind of two Christmas movies that my family and I watch, like, every year, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of become a Christmas tradition, and it'd be, you know, sad to leave out one and just talk about the other and stuff like that. Right. Uh, just kind of going off those two traditions, I'll go in the order that we watch them. Oh, there's a specific so, order, too. There's I love a specific it. order. Uh, wow. One we watch on Christmas Eve. And one is always on, at least at some point, on Christmas Day. So Christmas Eve, my family tradition is each child in the family opens up one present on Christmas Eve. We do the same, actually. That present is always the same. It's a set of pajamas and a set of slippers. Oh, that's... And we wear on Christmas Eve. (laughs) That's so cute! Oh my gosh. (laughs) Does Marty get a pair, too? Um, Your dog has to get a pair. He should, honestly. He has way too many clothes for a dog, but <laughs> the set of pajamas he has, we got them for him when he was a very little puppy, and I don't think he fits them anymore. Aw, baby. <laughs> but on the night of Christmas Eve, 
the three sisters, me, uh, my twin sister, and my older sister, who usually comes over for Christmas, we all sit down and watch the same movie every year, which is um, this old VHS tape we had when we were kids. And it's Barney's Waiting for Santa. What? <laughs> <laughs> which is you- an old, like, 1990 Christmas movie. It's so corny, but it's beautiful. <laughs> okay i'm not gonna lie you like built this up so like magically and wonderfully and i was so (laughs) excited to hear what this pick was gonna be because there's this cute background story to it and y'all open you know a cute gift together on christmas eve and watch it every christmas eve and i was like man what could this movie be that you guys watch it every year (laughs) and never in a million years would i ever have predicted barney (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep <laughs> and you guys still watch it on vhs uh no not on vhs anymore i mean vhs is a medium of the past and it's hard to find a vhs player anymore one yeah and two after a little while the vhs kind of stopped working so oh that's tragic yeah. Yeah. it's available on youtube so my family <laughs> is still kind of able to continue it be it in a less magical way but oh well is Selena Gomez in it? No, she's not in it. I'm trying to think of any other celebrities that have been on Barney. She's the only one I can think of. Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato were both on Barney, but That's neither right. of them are in this one. Okay. Do, do you want to know who's in it? I'm sure it's <laughs> no, no it's one okay. like famous. It's okay. Wow, <laughs> so anyway. every year, every year you guys watch that. Yeah, every year it's Barney's Waiting for Santa, and then on Christmas Day, I think it's TBS has uh, a Christmas story playing all day oh. on their channel. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, that one's kind of less of a build-up, but yeah. <laughs> That's we, a good we one, We watch though. a Christmas story at least one time per Christmas. It's yeah. a classic. It is definitely a classic. You know what Christmas movie I actually don't watch as often as I wish I could? And I feel like this, honestly, this might be one of, like, the most beloved Christmas classics, at least... In, in the people I talk with, people always bring up this movie, hmm. and that's Home Alone. Oh, yeah. I do not watch that movie often, and do you know why? why? Were you scared of something as a child? Yes. <laughs> not as a child. Currently. <laughs> currently? What is it? What is it? Oh, I have another one, actually. Speaking of, of, of childhood nightmares and Christmas okay. movies. <laughs> okay, but Home Alone, it's a legitimate fear. I have very, very legitimate arachnophobia okay and there is a t word in that movie i can't say Uh. what that is but you can imagine a large spider that starts with the letter t and i just need someone to like chop up a a cut of home alone that omits this spider from the movie and i can watch it every year (laughs) like the special cut of cats there's a special cut of home alone precisely precisely i'm like seriously one day i'm gonna like buy the movie and somehow download it import it into adobe premiere and pay someone to edit that for me because i can't edit it (laughs) honestly i feel like i want to make cats my new christmas tradition cats 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 2019 you know cats did come out christmas time last year so yeah maybe that's why i get the warm fuzzies thinking about it that's oh (laughs) Warm and fuzzy. Those are choice words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but okay, yeah. another, so I guess that's the second thing I'm afraid of cats. And the third, 
is Tim Allen's The Santa Claus with an E at the end. I don't <laughs> know why, but growing up, Tim Allen as Santa Claus scared the hell out of me. Just he looked really creepy and disturbing to me. And there's that one shot in the trailer where he's just like looking like kind of nearby the camera. Like it's like a decently close up shot of his face. And then mm-hmm. he just like transforms into Santa Claus and he's like, oh, and like his like jaw drops. And I don't know why it legit gave me nightmares. I, c- I can't. Is it like kind of like the transformation thing that gets you? Yeah, something about Because that got it. me, too. I, like, did not like that movie as a kid, either. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That makes me genuinely feel so much better. Because I was always <laughs> so embarrassed of that. Like, I I couldn't explain it. But I remember if the movie trailer was playing, you know, before a movie that I was seeing with people, I'd, like, try not to look. And I was really embarrassed about it. Oh. Oh, yes, I remember. Thinking back to VHSs again. Mm-hmm. Just how... All of them had the same trailers every time you'd watch. I mean, obviously. Coming soon to DVD. Yeah, exactly. Gotta love it. That same, like, that same coming soon screen that's, like, on every single VHS. Yeah. Love it. I feel like there's so many things from my childhood that I could probably spend an hour on this podcast talking about, like, oh, this used to scare me as a kid. This used to scare me as a kid. (laughs) There's a reason I'm not Gryffindor. (laughs) I'm proud Hufflepuff. Okay, one more question, and then we we can move on from our question of the week. Okay. Die Hard. Christmas movie or no? What are your thoughts? <sighs> it kind of reminds me of that, like, is a Pop-Tart a ravioli question. <laughs> like, you know it's not. But, like, it's fun to pretend, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great analogy. I love it. I love it. It's hard to say... For me, I'm like, you know what? I do think it's a Christmas movie, but really it's not. But if I think about it, I do generally watch it in December, you know? like Yeah, okay. If, if someone was like, let's watch Die Hard and it's like June, I'd be a little less inclined, honestly. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Do you feel the same way about Inception? Hmm. No. Because so yeah. is, there is a Christmas scene in that, too. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I feel like it's different with Die Hard because it's one of those movies that takes place, you know, all in one day, basically. That's true. And it's Christmas. But yeah, it really, it really isn't a Christmas movie. I actually, I, I wonder when it came out. I don't remember if it came out, you know, if it was like a summer blockbuster or if it was a Christmas movie. Yeah, that's honestly definitely like the the way to tell is if it was released like during the Christmas season yeah, like November. At the oh early. yeah, it was. It's a summer blockbuster. It was released July fifteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. See, that makes sense because it definitely, aside from the the timeline, like when it takes place, it definitely should be a summer blockbuster. So I'm not surprised that the studios yeah. would be like, "Now nah, we're gonna push it out in July." But I definitely. still like to watch it around this time of year. Yeah, well that that settles the debate. Honestly. <laughs> it really Die does, hard, dang. Summer blockbuster. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just it's the Pop Tart analogy. What can we say? Yeah. That was the perfect way to just smile. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so those are some of our favorite Christmas movies, some spicy picks there. And yes. since we do have two movies that we're going to be reviewing and discussing today, we're just gonna talk about one little bit of news that 
occurred this past yeah. week. It's which actually was, a pretty big bit of news, honestly, but like it is, yeah. So we're really gonna try I- to condense it. Item. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Disney had their Investor Day 2020 kind of presentation recently. It was actually going on at the same time as the Game Awards, which we also could talk about, but we're yeah. gonna condense this. So with this Disney Investor Day, they announced way more than we could cover in this podcast in an oh, episode. Oh, definitely. It's so much. Overwhelmingly. So instead, we're just going to talk about kind of our, our standout picks from this presentation. So for me, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm obsessed with The Mandalorian. I think it's the best new Star Wars we've gotten as much as... I do enjoy the new trilogy. I'm a Last Jedi fan. Yes. I think The Mandalorian is just the best. Yes, thank you. Team Last we Jedi. We stand Ryan Johnson in this house. Yes. And I will fight. I've had huge arguments with friends in college about The Last <laughs> Jedi versus... I know which specific friends you're talking about, too. Yes. Shout out to <laughs> Eli and Jess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, again, I could spend an hour on that topic alone, but I'll, I'll yeah. leave it at rest. So <laughs> during this presentation, there was a lot of Star Wars goodies, just so many series. And like there's a, there's a movie announcement with Patty Jenkins sent to, to direct, which I'm really excited about. But yeah. the standouts for me were uh, just kind of reconfirmation about the Obi-Wan Kenobi show which I'm super excited about. He Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite human character. My favorite all-time character is Yoda. And then okay. number two would be Obi-Wan. And I'm really glad that Ewan McGregor is going to be reprising the role. Hayden Christensen as well. I, I And seeing as how good the Mandalorian is, I have high hopes that the Obi-Wan show will be good. And they also announced an Ahsoka show, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Definitely makes sense given recent Mandalorian hype. Um, so I'm also excited about that. I'll be honest, I know way less about Star Wars, but you know what? Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. The Star Wars fan base is really Oh yeah. Oh toxic. <laughs> so sometimes it's good to be far removed from it. But unfortunately yeah. I live and breathe that universe so i oh boy yeah comes with the territory of being a nerd unfortunately yes i send my best (laughs) (laughs) another thing from the presentation that stood out to me was hocus pocus 2 say what (laughs) never would have anticipated that but should be fun so i'm excited about that there's a bunch of new disney animated tv shows coming out the one i'm definitely the most excited for is the baymax show from big hero 6 I, mm-hmm. I feel like the Big Hero 6 universe is so fantastic and there's so much potential for it. I almost wish they could have done something sooner with it since that movie did come out, you know, in 2014. So it's an older movie. So I don't know how popular it'll be, but it's Disney. So I'm sure it will be. And yeah. the last thing I kind of had mixed thoughts on, but I still thought was worth bringing up is from Pixar. And it's a new Toy Story movie, but also not. It's about Buzz Lightyear. It's called Lightyear. And it's essentially like a prologue sort of story because it has nothing to actually do with the Toy Story world and like those characters. Like I don't think Woody or Andy or any of the the other toys will be involved at all, but it 
it has to do with Buzz Lightyear as a character in his own world, and it's the movie that Andy would have seen growing up that made him really like Buzz Lightyear. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, so at first, you know, I, I, you know, I heard, oh, there's gonna be a Buzz Lightyear movie, and you just see that one image, and I was like, great, like, you know, it's gonna become a new Shrek where they just keep milking Toy Story, and then I read a little bit more about it, and I was like, okay, actually, I think that sounds really cool, and I like a lot of kind of in-universe things where it's something that takes place within a movie universe, like, that kind of stuff really excites me, and... Chris Evans is set to voice Buzz Lightyear, which is kind of interesting. I had a conversation about it with our friend Amanda, and she was kind of, like, saying she doesn't like how Disney will reuse their own, like, actors all the time. And I kind of agree with that. But I don't know. I I could see why they'd pick him at the same time. So I'm curious for sure about it. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Like, is this something that, like, did they not want to work with Tim Allen anymore or did they just want to use Chris Evans instead? Like, yeah, I guess I know. just considering like Tim Allen is still like alive. It's right. not like there's an issue of like getting him. He's not doing much right now. Yeah. Like, and I mean, he did the last Toy Story 4 movie, so I don't see yeah. why he wouldn't do this one. But maybe they just really wanted to go for the younger aesthetic and really sell like that this is way before when the Toy Story movies takes place and it, it's all in-universe, so they just wanted a different voice to bring that to life. I don't Definitely. really know. It's a choice, for sure. But those were the things that kind of stood out for me the most. Definitely. I'm with you on the excitement for Baymax. I think Big Hero 6 is criminally underrated. So at least when it comes to like, Pixar movies, like that and Meet the Robinson are my two unpopular faves. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're they're both great movies, and yeah, I feel like they kind of go overlooked. I'm literally staring at a little mini Baymax poster, actually, that I have in my desk. I, I loved that movie when it first came out. I saw it several times in theaters, and like I said before, it just has such great potential because the world is so exciting, and Baymax is such a lovable character, so yeah, should be good. Definitely. I would say that kind of going through everything... There was honestly, like, so much content that was in here. Like, I had to go back through everything and just be like, am I excited for this? Am I not excited (laughs) for this? But I'd say that none of my picks are anything that's been necessarily was, like, a new thing. But I guess just finding out more information about it Mm -hmm. just made me even more excited. My first one was uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, which is Disney's, like, biggest new animated movie that will be, I guess they're doing it kind of the same as they did Mulan with the, the premiere access where you can get it for $30 and you get access to the movie ahead of time. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to do that, but you know what? Maybe. If if the money's going pretty good, then I'll definitely give it a try. Um, yeah, I'm curious because I think right now that's set to release in March and just based on how things are looking right now in the world... I'm not sure if I'd still be comfortable going to a theater by then. So yeah. I'll probably cave and end up paying the $30 to see it or like, you know, just split it with someone like you and then we'll share our Disney Plus accounts for a weekend and, yeah, <laughs> you know, split up the costs that way. But not us talking about something that's potentially illegal on a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> 
yeah. no one will tell. The Disneyocracy <laughs> refuses to break through. Definitely. But yeah. I'm definitely excited about this voice cast, I guess, specifically headed by Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina. Very excited. Two wonderful actresses. And I'm excited to see Kelly Marie Tran kind of get a second chance with Disney because, like, I feel so bad with what happened with Rose, um, her character in Star Wars, which just got decimated by the Star Wars fan base because it came from The Last Jedi and, like, whatever. They're awful. I could... <laughs> that is another topic I could spend an entire podcast talking about. Like, it, it infuriates me so much. And, again, it just goes back to the whole toxic Star Wars fandom. And yep. it really sucks to see that those terrible fanboys kind of won the argument because her yeah, involvement in the the most recent movie was so minimal i think i actually counted it i saw the movie twice in theaters the second time i decided to count how many lines she had in the movie and i think it was 11, 11 oh my lines. god something like that so i was i was super mad for sure but i think like you said she's a great choice for this movie obviously y'all already know how i feel about asian representation so of course i'm <laughs> very excited for it uh i don't know how i feel though about the fact that you know you do have to pay the 30 dollars because they're doing the thing with soul which is actually coming out soon where it'll be just on disney plus and you don't have to pay an additional fee for it so i'm not sure what constitutes hey you have to be a disney plus subscriber and you need to pay 30 dollars versus hey you have disney plus so you're just going to get access to this new movie don't really know what the logic is I wonder if it's like a like a Disney slash Disney Pixar difference because could be with Onward like you also did not have to pay but that was also mm, kind of their first thing. good point and then also with Soul you don't have to pay I don't know why there's a big difference maybe Pixar made a big stink about it I don't know I always stand Pixar more than Disney so you know what maybe <laughs> this just further solidifies my opinion I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, excited for Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, whether or not it's uh, premium access or not, I think. In general, it looks like a pretty great movie. It does. Yeah. I- I'm just excited to see Disney embrace talking dragons again. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah. And uh, I guess a couple of the other things I was pretty excited about seeing. This one was kind of no surprise, but It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is getting four more seasons. Uh, But the really exciting thing is uh, this makes It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They're breaking the record for the longest running live action sitcom in television history. That's crazy. I never would have guessed, but it kind of makes sense. Like, it's a very popular show. I don't personally watch it. Like, I've seen some some episodes and everything I've seen has been great, but I haven't sat down and, and binged the show. Maybe eventually when it ends, I will. But everyone I know that watches it, they all, you know, rave about it. So that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I haven't been keeping up with the um, most recent seasons lately, but it's definitely just exciting, like, as a show that I generally enjoy like getting all those new seasons it's pretty cool maybe i'll catch up one day what show is it is it beating for longest running live action show huh i'm not sure let me look that up because a lot of the like longer longest running comedies are animated like i think yeah like like the simpsons Simpsons and like south park have that right record 
Yeah, but for live action, like the the most I can think of is there are sitcoms, live action sitcoms that have ten seasons, like Friends, The Office. I'm sure Seinfeld is up there as well. How I met your mother, I think, had nine or ten. According to TVLine.com, this news means that it will officially pass The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet as the longest-running live-action comedy in television history. Oh, interesting. I'm gonna be honest, I've never heard of that show. I've heard the names Ozzy and Harriet before, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, really. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot that are have been going on for about 10 or 11 seasons. That's uh, what I thought. Including stuff like Friends, Family Matters, M.A.S.H., Modern Family just wrapped its 11th season. Oh, wow. Oh, didn't, isn't Big Bang Theory up there? Probably. Big Bang yeah. Theory was on, like, forever. They, like, mm-hmm. just wrapped up, I believe. Yeah. I think, like, a um, year or two ago. So, yeah, very, very cool. For sure. Congrats to the It's Always Sunny cast. Yeah. For this wonderful achievement. Absolutely. The last two that I'm, like, particularly excited for are probably Thor, Love and Thunder, and Shang-Chi. Uh, obviously, both hey. two Marvel movies. Definitely exciting to see the redemption arc of Thor. <laughs> like, <laughs> just going from these not great, like, pretty, like, serious movies to actually, like, being funny and stuff. And I like seeing Chris Hemsworth be funny. It's kind of clear that that's what he wants to be is like a comedy actor yeah and it's it's fun to see him in those kinds of roles yeah for sure this is just what happens when taika waititi takes over yep definitely so <laughs> definitely excited for that as well i feel like there was a bunch of marvel stuff going on during the presentation and oh there's so much marvel <laughs> yeah it was it was way too much so I didn't even bother to include any of it in my picks, even though I am a huge Marvel fan for sure. But I think the ones you picked are definitely standouts for me as well. I think Shang-Chi now has an official release date of July 2021, I believe it was. Yeah, I think so. so. Something like that. I'm super, super excited for that. I really hope it does well and it's good and that by then we can safely watch, you know, huge blockbusters in theaters again. But... We'll have to play it by yeah. you. I'd say I'm, I kind of got more excited through quarantine and just like watching my family's TV habits. I've kind of started watching Kim's Convenience a little bit more. Oh, and, nice. Uh, I, obviously, like one of the characters from Kim's Convenience, uh, Simu Lu, is uh, going to be in the role of Shang-Chi. So. Right, right. Yeah, I guess just actually seeing him act. I think made it, I guess, being like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be a Marvel hero soon. <laughs> and just like, I don't know, seeing the progression, I guess, a little bit. Definitely. It's kind of funny because for me, I don't watch Kim's Convenience, actually. I've only seen uh, the first two or three episodes. And I know Simu Liu from like YouTube because he would be in a lot of Asian YouTube channels like Wang Fu Productions, most notably. Which Wait, really? Yeah, he was in so- Wang Fu? No, yeah, he's been in tons of Wangfu videos, and I feel like... No way. I feel like the Asian community in California is very small, so they probably all kind of know each other somehow. So I still remember, like, when it was announced that he was going to be playing, you know, the first Marvel Asian superhero in, like, a lead role, uh, because we do have Manitas from Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like, that's crazy, like, 
I know this guy just from from YouTube. Like it was kind of a, a big deal, like really inspiring. So really, really hope that movie does well. Yeah, that's that's definitely interesting. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how familiar Wikipedia is with Wong Fu. I'm seeing a lot about like his film debut being an extra in Pacific Rim. Like that's the first oh thing my I'm gosh. seeing about that. <laughs> and I think it's so funny that like that's like considered his like film debut. But I yeah. guess that that's a pretty big deal is getting in a Guillermo del Toro movie like for your first role. Yeah, no, actually though, even if it was just something small, that's you know getting to work with a notable director like that is, is awesome. For sure. So I, I did a quick for search you, on YouTube and he's been in some of their shorts like How to Be an Instagram Boyfriend, Meeting Mommy, Asian Bachelorette <laughs> Wanted to. I haven't seen Meeting Mommy, so that's an interesting one. <laughs> I think he was also in their series Yappy. So pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely excited to see him as Shang-Chi then next. <laughs> Yeah, so as you can see, there's a whole lot going on from Disney's end, of course, and we're barely scratching the surface. So if you're interested, you can go to the D23 website and check out every single announcement they made from the Investor Day presentation. It's a lot, so good luck going (laughs) through all that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good luck not just getting your mind completely blown and overwhelmed. Yeah. But we're going to move on to our very first movie of the week in our kind of double feature episode which is Animaniacs Wacko's Wish <laughs> <laughs> didn't think we'd be doing that. which funny enough yeah in our group this got nominated as a joke because everyone <laughs> I guess it just Jordan thought that we would as a group pick Mank which yeah. is uh David Fincher's latest and there's actually kind of a, a full circle moment with Mank and this movie which will We'll get to you later, but this is a an Animaniacs Christmas kind of m- winter movie. It's from 1999, and the synopsis, according to Letterboxd, is the Warner Brothers and the Warner sister go on a quest to find a fallen wishing star to help Dot with her illness. Unfortunately, the rest of the town, including an evil king, also hear about the star and want to get it to it first to have their own wishes come true. It's a race against time, and it's up to the three zany siblings to get there first. It's definitely been a while since I've watched any kind of Animaniacs cartoon. Oh my gosh, same. Lots of uh, familiar cartoons in there, as well as a lot of, like, as I've kind of learned more about, like, voice actors and like who the I guess more well-known or famous voice actors are there's quite a few like pretty big hitters in this one at least like off the top of my head I can think of Rob Paulson and Tress McNeil which yeah yeah I I think Rob Paulson might be most known for the Animaniacs but he was also Carl Weezer from Jimmy Neutron oh that's right Carl Weezer and uh, Tress McNeil does a lot of work with Matt Groening, so she voices a lot of Simpsons characters, a lot from uh, Futurama. I know she was in at least one Weird Al music video, which is how I kind of first knew about her. But Of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Two pretty big voice actors playing the Animaniacs. Uh, she voices Dot and Tress McNeil voices Dot in the Animaniacs. So it was definitely like interesting looking at that voice cast and like kind of putting those voices to names that I 
knew already you know yeah that is really cool i i didn't even make those connections actually but yeah honestly i didn't grow up with the animaniacs as much as some other cartoons i don't know about you like what your kind of connection growing up with the animaniacs was so i had never seen this movie before i had seen this movie before um animaniacs was something i watched like kind of rarely i mean they'd be on i think like I think they might have been on, like, WB Kids sometimes. That's what I was going to say, WB, like, for kids or something. Yeah, like, basically, like, where you got your anime as a child, you know? Like, you got your, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! and, like, Totally Spies, and then also... Oh, my gosh. Yes. Also, uh, Animaniacs in there, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's about my kind of exposure to them, but... Mm -hmm. As a really young kid, I really liked uh, Pinky and the Brain, who also make a kind of... Not necessarily, like, a featured role, but they are in this movie. Yeah, they which make an that, appearance. Yeah, it was a pleasant surprise to see yeah, those two again. I wasn't expecting <laughs> either, but it was nice. I was like, oh, snap, more characters that I know. <laughs> yeah. So definitely the, the first thing that, that st- stood out for this movie was the musical numbers and all the songs. And obviously all of the kind of pop culture references that they threw in, like, right in the very beginning, there's... A sled that says Rosebud on it, which is a very obvious yep. <laughs> reference to Citizen Kane, which is kind of like tie-in number one with Mank. Tie-in number yep. two, shout out to Colleen from the Shinema Club Discord server who said this in our channel discussing this movie. She pointed out that Henry Mankiewicz, who is the screenwriter for Citizen Kane and who the whole movie Mank is about, or sorry, Herman Mankiewicz, he has an uncredited producer role on Duck Soup, and Duck Soup is kind of a big influence of Wacko's Wish. Like, this movie is kind of a parody of the Marx Brothers Duck Soup movie, which I've never seen Duck Soup, so I can't comment too much on that. I know I have a friend who, it's like his favorite movie of all time, but just kind of thought that was interesting. Yeah, I have not seen that movie either, but... Definitely the tie-ins to Mank just make this, like, an even funnier coincidence that this one over Mank. <laughs> yeah, movie seriously. Of the week. We had um, some heavy hitters nominated, like, for the, the week that this won. I know you had nominated Sound of Metal, which personally I still really, really want to see. Yeah. And then <laughs> that an Animaniacs movie won, which is just awesome. <laughs> but the whole time watching this, I just, I forgot how absurd like the animaniacs can be yeah (laughs) it's definitely uh i guess chaotic is the best word to describe it (laughs) wacky yeah wacky wish wacko's wish a few a few of the jokes that i wanted to bring up that i that stuck with me was in one of the the first opening numbers they're singing about how cold it is or something and this squirrel or something is like my nuts are frozen and (laughs) I'm thinking, as soon as I hear this line, I was like, that's kind of an inappropriate line for a children's movie. And then the next line, a character goes like, be careful what you say or like something. And I was, I was laughing hysterically at that. I was like, I can't believe that just happened. (laughs) I think a lot of the like WB cartoons and like, you know, like Looney Tunes and kind of that era of animation, I think was more tongue in cheek with their adult humor, I guess, because they wanted to make it something that you know anyone of any age could enjoy and then 
also something that could go over a kid's head still anyway for sure <laughs> it's always fun to rewatch like cartoons from your childhood and then you notice all these adult jokes and you're just like wow that totally yeah. went over my head as a kid but now i can appreciate this joke that you know, they're the writers and animators snuck in or whatever somehow. Yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like Animaniacs is, is a really popular cartoon series and they throw out a bunch of awesome references and these kinds of clever jokes. So a lot of adults really enjoy it as well. Yeah, definitely. Another thing that I just couldn't stop thinking about the whole movie was, you know, obviously they're they're praising this Hey Penny that Wako comes back with and is supposed to just, you know, miraculously save them from their debt and lack of money and whatever the whole time i just kept thinking about bitcoin i was like this is bitcoin like (laughs) forget bitcoin hey penny is where it's at that's where i'm investing in hey penny is the future (laughs) don't know her (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i just i thought that was hilarious especially because they make such a big deal about this hey penny at first and then it all becomes about the the wish and whatnot yeah, and, like, spoilers if you care, but, like, just the amount of money that, like, that hay penny or those two hay pennies at the end could spend. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, I wish that was real money. <laughs> I know. It's just so interesting. I, I wonder how they came up with that concept. And that yeah. was another thing that's hilarious is, you know, he runs over to make the wish. And what does he wish for? Two hay two pennies. Hay pennies. Not even just one penny, just two hay pennies. Yeah, yeah. I I don't understand what the conversion rate is for the hay penny, but yeah. Hey, whatever whatever gets you floating by, I suppose. And while we're on the topic of spoilers, can we talk about how Dot like kind of dies for a second? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. I'm watching this, and Wacko and Yakko are all, like, emotional talking to Dot, and Dot's just like, I love you guys, and then, you know, closes her eyes, and they're like, she's gone, she's gone. I was like, is this really happening right now? Is is this occurring on my television? Is one of the main characters, quote, dying in a children's movie? I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, but in true children's movie fashion, she did come back and of course get cured of her mystery illness (laughs) yeah which like what was it what could it possibly have been i don't know seems out of in poor taste to make a covid joke but like i don't know (laughs) maybe it was uh january 2019 you're right you're right not 1999 2019 i was 1999 i was just about to ask like when this had come out (laughs) oh But overall, you know, I, I did have fun with it. It was It's just, just a silly kind of typical Animaniacs movie. I did find, though, like, in the beginning, I was pretty invested. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm having fun with this. And then, like, kind of midway through, I was getting a little bit like, oh, like, I'll scroll through my phone for a second and, like, a little less interested. Yeah, I don't really I know feel particularly that. why, but. I feel like the journey part, I mean, that's definitely kind of the kind of bulk of the movie once they got set on their journey to go to the fallen star and everyone was on their way i feel like that's kind of where i lost a bit of interest like i was still watching of course but like 
I guess a little bit less attention grabby than everything else was. There was one certain plot line that I didn't really understand why it was like kind of shoehorned in there. Do you remember the one with like, it was like the little girl who kept getting herself into danger and like the dog saving her. I forget what the character's oh, name yeah. is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And like how she wouldn't call her mom, mom for some reason. <laughs> and then like at the end, she magically calls her mom. Woohoo. Sorry, wow. spoilers. <laughs> but like, yeah, I didn't quite understand that one. That might be a reference to a WB cartoon I haven't seen before or something. Maybe. But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what was up with that. It just felt like very random with everything. Yeah, I, I completely on. forgot about it literally until you brought it up, which that also <laughs> reminds me of another part of this move that I was like, well, what's with that? Was that one guard of the king that was really obsessed with Dot? Oh, yeah, that was weird. That Yeah, like, whoa, what's going on there? What's up with that? That was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the context of, like, 1999, it kind of makes sense, but... Right. As we take people who... I don't know how to say it, but, like, we're taking kind of... Ah! Like, child stuff, I guess, more seriously now, like... Yeah, anything that... It makes more sense to, like say yikes to this in 2020 than it is to 1999 exactly. which makes sense as to why it kind of got in there it, it's different times it's different times yeah which you always do you have to kind of take that stuff with a grain of salt but it's just <laughs> it's always interesting yeah. you know watching stuff how to see how it ages in the future and how well it stands up and then you see jokes like that and you're like oh it's a little predatory it's a little weird yeah whereas back then it it probably just went over people's heads no one you know bat an eye at it yeah, I definitely understand where it's, like, kind of coming from, like, Dot's supposed to be, like, the cute one who gets her way with everything because she's so cute, and then yeah. it's, like, I don't know, in the context of an adult man, like, falling for that is very weird. <laughs> I guess I also don't know the, you know, the politics of the Animaniacs world, because you've got the humans and then whatever the hell the Animaniacs are, so it's like, oh, this human dude is Crush it on Dot. I don't know what kind of creature she is. Yeah, yeah I, I don't quite know either. Yeah, are they just like They look kind of like dogs to me. But Maybe. Like, but also not dogs. Actually, Very yeah, I really don't know. Because, like, actually the dogs in, like, the Warner Brothers world look a lot different than the Animaniacs. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really true. Not entirely like, sure. Google, what is an Animaniac? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, all they're referred to online is the Warner siblings, but yeah. I don't see anything about what kind of creature they are. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it says, three 1930s cartoon stars of an unknown species. Okay. One Tom Ruger named Cartoonist Characterist. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess I guess Tom nailed that one, because we couldn't figure out what animal they were. Cause yeah. Yeah. There is none. So, just something to think about, I guess. <laughs> Consider this case solved. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you rate this on, on Letterboxd? Okay, let me see what I rated it. I kind of forget. I actually watched this basically right after I watched Happiest Season for last week's episode. So, it's not fresh in my mind, which is probably why I don't have much to say about it. Uh, I gave it a three and a half stars out of five. I also gave it three and a half stars. 
I was How debating between three and three and a half, but I was like, you know what? Like, this did give me some entertainment and laughs, so I threw in the half star. I rated it higher than Happiest Season. Same. I gave Happiest Season three stars. Which I did as well. Yeah. This is, it was a fun movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of, of cartoon movies, and I had fun with it. My my kind of grading scale is, you know, anything like one star, I'm like, you know, this, this is trash, this is the worst. Two stars is like a bad movie. Two and a half is meh. Three stars is like, it's a good movie, I guess. It's like, it's fine. Three and a half mm-hmm. is like pretty, pretty solid, pretty great movie. Four stars is a pretty awesome movie. Four and a half is like when you start to get into the amazing territory. And then, you know, obviously you got your five star masterpieces right so so that's how my kind of grading scale goes okay yeah i'd say that kind of the most common rating at least for me on letterboxd is four stars same probably because i mean while i love a a good bad movie i feel like most of the movies i tend to watch are like you know at least like rated pretty well like i Mm -hmm. look into reviews before i watch usually and yeah if i like a movie yeah it it probably is getting four stars unless i like it on a condition of some kind of flaw that i see then it's probably three and three and a half yeah that's also a good point you know yeah the only flaw i saw with wacko's wish is just like that middle lull that we kind of talked about you know right right where it kind of lost my attention for a little bit like if i look down at my phone and like scroll through for more than like a quarter of the movie it's probably getting a three or three and a half (laughs) same especially in you know the time of watching movies at home all the time it's really hard for me not to do that sometimes admittedly which i think is one big reason why i prefer to watch movies in a theater because not yeah. only is it just superior sound and video and everything, but I'm like, I'm not going to be distracted. So if yeah. I if I You're literally zone turn- out, like, it's a bad forced. movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's recommended to turn off your phone, like, very strongly, but, like, just in terms of, like, etiquette and stuff. Which, like, I mean, being in, like, a dark theater where, like, hopefully, like, everyone's going to turn off their phone and at least not have a little glowing screen on on display it's one of my biggest pet peeves when people use their phone excessively during a movie in a movie theater like it's one thing to quickly glance at it to check the time or maybe you have an urgent text that you need to read like i i can understand life happens but if you actually have someone like tapping away at their phone scrolling through like i will get really annoyed yeah i feel that so i i definitely have some stories about that like i remember watching avengers infinity war (gasps) and there was someone in the second row like from the front so everyone can see you this this asshole's like on his phone like 80 percent of the movie i was livid and thankfully it was my second time watching it so like my experience wasn't as ruined but i was still really mad yeah, that, that's a tough one. I luckily did not have anything like that in my Infinity War screening. In my Endgame screening, I was sat next to a nerd, which, like, I don't know. <laughs> what's that, worse? Like, yeah, what's worse? Sitting next to a nerd or being behind a phone. Uh, what were they doing? Just, like, making some, like, comments and stuff. Like, I don't remember, like, the full details and everything, but, yeah. It was annoying. That's what I remember. Yeah, oh, yeah, I bet that was annoying. It was annoying. <laughs> Probably my worst, like, 
movie theater like sitting next to someone experience was like <laughs> I think I told you about this one um when I saw first man in theaters I was sitting next to someone who like during the space scene she would like pretend like she was in space too <laughs> like she was like grabbing onto her seat and, like <laughs> just being like way dramatic it's like this movie is just okay you don't have to like pull out all the stops here first man goes from like a three and a half star movie to a four star movie in the last 20 minutes of the movie honestly like the last 20 minutes sell that movie to me everything else i was just like okay it's fine the academy award-winning performance next to me made it a five star (laughs) (laughs) that's cute that's cute i I mean, it was it was like a grown adult too. It wasn't a kid. No, that's what I was just was about a, to say. It's like, it is it even woman. cute though? I was like, wait a minute. If this yeah. is a grown adult doing it, maybe it's a little sad. Yeah, you know what? I hope she's doing well. I wish the best for her. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I wish many many space movies in the future where ah, she yes. can project her space dreams. <laughs> amazing amazing (laughs) all right well i have absolutely no segue into our next movie but i'm just gonna go honestly me neither uh yeah so uh our second movie of the week was klaus uh directed by sergio pavlos with another pretty like heavy hitting uh voice cast here oh these are some more recognizable names i think got jason schwartzman jk simmons i think joan cusack is in there somewhere rashida jones Um, Norm Macdonald, Rashida Jones, yeah, yeah. like a, Super a lot of like pretty cast. big names, yeah. So this movie came out on Netflix last year, and the synopsis from Letterbox is when Jesper distinguishes himself as the Postal Academy's war student, he is sent to Smirensburg, a small village located on an icy island above the Arctic Circle, where grumpy inhabitants barely exchange words, let alone letters. Jesper is about to give up and abandon his duty as a postman when he meets local teacher Alva and Klaus, a mysterious carpenter who lives alone in a cabin full of handsome toys. Handmade, not handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why my words are all jumbled up today. Like, I called Elf up, and I <laughs> called Handsome Handmade. <laughs> handmade is handsome. Maybe they are handsome toys. You never know. You know, they were, because this animation was handsome and crispy, I gotta say. It really was. Absolutely stunning animation. So, according to IMDb, the director wanted to do kind of a traditionally animated movie, but he also wanted to see how the animation would have evolved without the CGI kind of animation. So what the studio did was they used CGI lighting techniques, but with hand-drawn animation, which is what created this just stunningly gorgeous animation style. Like, I mean, I really haven't seen anything like it. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, I thought like really cool. The animation quality is just so great it looks like it came straight out of a picture book which honestly perfect aesthetic for christmas yes that's a perfect I think description they, they did a like fantastic job on the kind of look of this movie but yeah i think we we both watched this movie pretty recently so i think yep we watched it yesterday right yeah we watched yeah. it last <laughs> night we had a little watch party in the shinba club which of course again if you're not already in you should go and join it it's a free discord server and you can nominate your own movie of the week and we'll talk about it 
on the show. So it's a fun time for sure. And we sometimes we do watch parties for the movies of the week. And, you know, since this is a really accessible movie, it's on Netflix. There's tons of ways you can do watch parties online now in quarantine. So it was super easy to set up. And I really enjoyed the movie. I kind of went into it blind. I hadn't heard anything about the story. The only thing I knew was that, you know, it had really awesome animation. It was about Christmas and it was on Netflix. And I missed getting to see it last holiday season when it first came out and I heard it was so good so I was really glad we were able to see it this year and I think because of that the story was a little different than I was expecting and people in the discord were kind of relating it to 90s or early 2000s movies like very simple kind of story and plot line which I feel like is kind of a trend for holiday movies in general honestly like we said the same thing for Nightmare Before Christmas yeah Really, other than the story just being kind of simple, it was a super charming and cute, wholesome movie. Like, I could definitely see myself revisiting it in the future. Definitely. And watching this movie with kind of like a retrospective of last year's um, Academy Awards, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of very salty that this lost the Toy Story 4, if I'm being quite honest. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it too, and I was kind of like, because I remember it had been nominated, and I was like, wait, what won? And then I remembered, oh, it was Toy Story 4, which it's hard because I am a really big Pixar fangirl, and Toy Story 4 had some really revolutionary animation, but I think Klaus really stood out, and it, it was like a just a completely different playing field, and mm-hmm. it is kind of disappointing that, you know, it's just like, okay, Pixar wins again, you know, like, do they really need another gold man statue? Not really. No, they don't, but yeah, this was the first animated film from Netflix to be nominated for an Academy Award, so that is something. Oh. It's okay, got its own cool. little milestone there, but... So that means it must have, like, been in theaters for at least two weeks, right? Because to be in the running for the Oscars, you have to have a a limited, at least a limited in-theater run. Yeah. You know, this would have been a great movie to see in theaters just because of that, you know, stunning animation. Yeah, it was uh, released in select theaters. Honestly, kind of knowing that this this was made uh, by kind of like a a Spanish crew. The production was in Spain. I wouldn't be surprised if it was released over there. But that makes sense. Yeah. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, I really recommend watching it during the Christmas season. Yeah, it's it's a really fun watch. Even though it is a simpler story, it's kind of a unique take on like how Santa Claus came to be, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And, you know, aside from that, really just, just watch it for the the animation and the voice acting because it's all really great uh it's a movie that was in development for almost 10 years had kind of a a rocky start to get distributed and then eventually found its way to netflix and it's just another great example of why i love animated movies i definitely agree and like having two animated movies that we're talking about this week They both, I feel like, kind of have that... Well, I mean, for Animaniacs, it makes sense because it was released in 1999. But I think in our watch party, we were saying that Klaus specifically, I guess, really had this vibe of, like, 90s, like, golden age animation Mm -hmm. feel to it. And it definitely feels like an instant classic almost. And I really hope that this kind of gets into circulation and more kind of Christmas traditions. Yeah, absolutely. 
maybe seating people's old like Barney's waiting for Santa's or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I I totally agree. It already has that kind of timeless feel to it. And I hope more people see it. I think already it was super popular. I think it said on IMDb that according to Netflix, it had 30 million views in its first month. On That's release. crazy. So, yeah, that it, it was definitely a, a successful movie. So I'm really glad to see that. Yeah, that's great. Another thing about this movie is, especially just in the year of, of 2020, it felt so much like a USPS propaganda film. Like, that was another thing <laughs> I kept thinking about the whole time watching this. I was just like... Yeah. Because so much of it has to do with the Postal Academy and the Postal Service. And I was just like, ah, oh, what a great there movie is. to watch this year. <laughs> yep. <laughs> was there any kind of a specific part of this movie that really stood out to you? Oh, that's I guess tough. besides the animation. Besides the animation, I'm trying to think of like a specific scene. It was just very heartwarming and feel good. Like, you know, it, it does, of course, have a, some dramatic moments and like the plot has to hit that, you know, moment in the arc where something happens with the characters and blah, blah, blah. And after all of is said and done, I really actually liked kind of the last scene which i i won't like get into the specifics just to try to stay spoiler free since i think this movie is really relevant right now but i I really liked kind of where it ended on yeah yeah for sure i I definitely agree with that ending i'd say probably my favorite part was in like kind of the middle of um the movie there is this young little girl who does not speak the same language as jesper who yes becomes his friend eventually her name is margu she's so, so cute. cute so 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 cute and kind of just her involvement and like how she kind of got her family involved in the story i think was very adorable very wholesome and i loved yeah. it <laughs> i totally totally agree how could you not walk away from that movie loving that character just so yeah. cute <laughs> i just wanted to pinch your cheeks <laughs> definitely the baby yoda of this movie yeah <laughs> and and speaking of that actually apparently it was originally planned for the sami people to speak english but then it was later changed so then they spoke their native language which i like yeah that's great i mm-hmm. think it it added something special to it and kind of making kind of her introduction into the movie like more special yeah more notable it stands out a lot more for sure yeah one more little Easter egg fun fact that I want to throw out that I got from IMDb that I thought was cool and kind of ties in with, you know, we were talking about Toy Story 4 and Pixar. There's a scene where the sleigh crashes and you can briefly see A113 on one of the crates <gasps> that falls off the back, which of course is a reference to the famous classroom used by some of the founders of Pixar. So that is an Easter egg commonly featured in virtually every Pixar movie. You can find A113 somewhere in every one of their movies. So I thought that was a really nice little nod to them. Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, yeah, A113, it's, um, I guess, a classroom in uh, CalArts, like the yes. California Institute of the Arts. And it's just so interesting to see like kind of how many like very successful and talented people came from cal arts which i mean it's it's earned its reputation for that for a reason for for that reason yeah 
It definitely makes sense. Yeah. But. It's definitely interesting to see that outside of a Pixar film, though. I know. I'm trying to think, like, I feel like there ha- there has to be other, like, a handful of other animated movies that have paid homage to Pixar by doing something similar, but I wouldn't have expected it in, in this kind of movie, but it's kind of funny that they did that and then ended up competing with them for the Oscar. Even but. just looking through, there's there's a lot that reference the A113 that I didn't even think of. It's apparently in the Truman Show. Really? Yeah. I love that movie. (laughs) On a numbered plate displayed below one of the monitors showing camera feeds inside Truman's dome. Interesting. I haven't seen that movie in a while, so next time I rewatch it, I'm going to have to be on the lookout for that. It's also in uh, one of my childhood favorites, The Brave Little Toaster. Uh, (laughs) It's in The Iron Giant, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, Hunger Games. See, Ghost Protocol, that makes a ton of sense because that movie was directed by Brad Bird, who yeah. has directed Pixar movies before. So that's really cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's also in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Really? Yeah. Huh. A113 can be seen in the top left of the Spider-Drone HUD when it is first initiated at the Washington Monument. You know what? I think I've seen a YouTube like nerdy breakdown of that film for all the Easter eggs and I feel like I have heard that before and I just completely forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really well, cool. That yeah, a, clearly, you know, Disney movie kind of. Pixar is just put on such a, a pedestal and people really respect and appreciate that studio. So yeah. that's really nice to see. For sure. Ah. Well, clearly yeah. We were fans of the movie. I, d- I did really enjoy it, but again, just because I thought the story, like, even though it was a unique take, it is kind of just a simple story. So I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. I actually didn't get around to reading it yet. I'm between four and four and a half just because I was, I didn't really have any expectations going into this movie and I was just so blown away, honestly. Yeah. So honestly, for that, I'm leaning more toward four and a half. I totally get that. I was also between four and four and a half, and I was tempted to give it the extra, the extra half star just purely based on this insane animation and how game-changing it was. Maybe I'll go back and change my review. I don't know. <laughs> but I actually, I kind of want to rewatch it again already just because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Definitely go check out Klaus if you haven't already seen it. You know, we've still got some time until the holiday season wraps up. And it's on Netflix, so no excuses. Go support yes. this awesome indie animated movie. For sure. Definitely recommended by both your highlight reel hosts. Yeah. So check it out. And if you want to see Wacko's Wish, that is also streaming on Hulu. That's on Hulu, yes. Yes. All right. So we're going to wrap up with our pop culture pick of the week. Da-da-da-da. Woohoo. <laughs> so... Mine is actually really perfect for this episode. It's almost like a a full circle moment yet again, going back to the question of the week. So there is a mini docuseries on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us. And basically every episode goes through, you know, they they pick one movie and go through how that movie came to be, how it was made. And they interview some people who were a part of that movie's filmmaking process like some of the writers producers etc so that series came out last year there's uh like five episodes or so on like 
Dirty Dancing, Ghostbusters, Die Hard, Home Alone. So already they had, you know, quote, holiday movies, regardless what you think about Die Hard and then, of course, Home Alone. And then this year they came out with another, like, spinoff to that series called The Holiday Movies That Made Us. So there's only two episodes right now. And the first one is on Elf, and the second one is actually on The Nightmare Before Christmas. So I watched both of them. I may be a little bit biased because I do genuinely love both of those movies, and especially Elf being my favorite Christmas movie. The episode on Elf really stood out to me, and it had a really, really rich history to it, honestly, that was really inspiring for anyone that's interested in, in filmmaking. It was a really great underdog story and it only made me appreciate that movie even more so I definitely recommend the series you know you can just watch whatever episode stands out to you for whatever movie you're interested in and it's they're really fun that's really interesting I will definitely have to watch that I get recommended the toys that made us a lot to me on Netflix same I've never Um, seen it though yeah, me either. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely really interested in checking out the movies that made us and obviously the holiday movies that made us, especially for that Elf episode that you talked about. For sure. I, I, yeah. I definitely recommend it. Now, honestly, like for my pop culture pick of the week, I feel like I haven't really gotten myself into anything new. Like I, <laughs> I'm i still playing Dead by Daylight. Like I, I did play a little <laughs> bit of... Uh, cyberpunk 2077 but Mm. not enough to kind of constitute that as my pop culture pick of the week so i think i'm going to go to something that i know is a favorite of both of ours and mostly just because i've been watching it every day when i eat lunch but that is community (laughs) (laughs) yes i was um, wondering where you were going with it i was like oh it's a favorite of both of ours what could it be (laughs) Yes, uh, for sure. I've been kind of just re-watching random episodes of Community on Netflix every day when I go to eat lunch. Um, the other day, I re-watched Remedial Chaos Theory, which, oh. like, Community fans know that is a top tier, like, that mm-hmm. is a classic episode for sure. I'm still upset. I, I think it was nominated for an Emmy or, or something, but I don't think it won. And I don't know Probably. what it was up against, but... A movie is pure gold. That is pure television masterpiece, and it should be acknowledged as such. Definitely. If you don't (laughs) watch Community, there's no excuse because it's streaming on Netflix and Hulu. So go watch Community. It is one of the best modern sitcoms of all time. Yeah, I said it. It's fantastic. Especially if if you like the highlight reel, I'm going to assume that means you like movies. And if you like movies, you will absolutely adore community. I definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, once you're done watching either Klaus or Wacko's Wish, you can put on community on whatever streaming service you prefer. Hell yeah. Even though it is Wait. missing one of the best episodes. but Wait, so Hulu has community now... So do they have the D&D episode? They do not either. So actually, Community oh. has been on Hulu for a while. I think it was one of the re- the main reasons I actually signed up that's, for Hulu. That's where I first watched it. Yeah, same. And then it got onto Netflix fairly recently, which was also super exciting because way more people have Netflix than Hulu. So a lot of my friends started watching it for the first time. And then 
Netflix was the first one to remove the D&D episode. And I remember I was like, oh, it's okay. Like, Hulu still has it. And then shortly after, Hulu did get rid of it. So, yeah. Kind of unfortunate. But if but- you can find a way to watch that episode, definitely check it out. Yeah, definitely. The D&D episodes are pretty great and that season two one is probably the best out of them no one really asked for that to be removed <laughs> yeah like I, I i can understand the logic behind it but i just think within the context of the show it doesn't make sense yeah for what i mean what it is they're trying yeah. to achieve for sure i definitely should not have an opinion really <laughs> on like whether it should have been taken down or not considering it was kind of a controversy surrounding you know racist actions uh Mm. but the kind of black people i've seen kind of talk about this on the internet and whatever have all said that i guess well the kind of issue with it was um there was an a bit of like a blackface thing where one of the characters chang dressed up like a drow elf which uh is a D race that like has pitch black skin Mm -hmm. uh and the kind of joke was that he didn't understand what the issue was and it was kind of like a it was just something that his character with his personality would do probably yeah yeah like it wasn't just for you know for fun or whatever you know right and you know he is doing that because of the D character so it's really it's not meant to be offensive to blackface but if anything it's actually more of a commentary on the issue with that D race maybe but yeah. yeah i i personally don't know anyone who has an issue with that episode so oh, it was well. a choice for them to remove it but i can i can understand the logic yeah yeah for sure but if you can find a way to watch it i do recommend it the D episodes the paintball episodes there are lots of different little kind of traditions within community that are that always make for really great episodes yeah and that also is- the Christmas specials as well. I do yes. love all of the Christmas specials. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Oh yes. Every December 10th, me and two of my friends who we were always talking about community, one of them will, will message will be like, it's December 10th. <laughs> it's December 10th. <laughs> uh, such a such a fantastic show. It mm-hmm. used to be my mission back in high school to get as many people to watch that show as possible. I think I, I think my count was like I had 10 people who started it, which I was really proud of. Yeah. So I'm going to continue to make that my mission. So please go watch Community if you have it. That's yet another topic we could spend a whole podcast episode talking about. For real. <laughs> we both are such huge fans of that show. And Joel McHale and Ken Jeong actually have a whole podcast. So go check out their about podcast. About Community, yep. But that pretty much wraps up this episode of The Highlight Reel. We hope you enjoyed it. You know it was a little bit longer this week since we did do a double feature but if you guys enjoyed us reviewing two movies in one episode please let us know again if you could review us on whatever platform you listen to the highlight reel on we know apple podcasts uses reviews very heavily to determine how they kind of advertise which podcast people see if you could rate us five stars and write a review we'd really appreciate it and you can follow us on social media. This is going to be a little bit uh, on Twitter. Uh, it's at underscore highlight show. And on Instagram, it's at highlight real show. So uh, you can find us at both of those places. And yeah, that just about wraps it up. For sure. So thanks again 
so much for listening, y'all. Please share with your friends. Join the Shinwood Club. This has been the highlight reel. I'm Allison. I'm Jacqueline. And, and cut. cut.